We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane or on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. You can also check out my Substack, trevorlane.substack.com. Just published something recently on the Lakers, their Russell Westbrook situation. I wrote all about that, so you can check that out as well, trevorlane.substack.com. Lots to dig into today. I do have some questions from Lakers fans. Well, a lot of comments, too, coming off of that loss to the Denver Nuggets that we're going to get into in the mailbag portion. But before we get into that, we do need to talk a little bit about something that Flea put out on Twitter because I think this echoes the sentiment of a lot of Lakers fans right now. We're going to start there, but I also want to talk about the latest from Brian Windhorst on what the Lakers are thinking on the trade front. LeBron on Instagram, what he's saying there and why that raised a lot of eyebrows around the NBA and, of course, around the Twitter sphere as well. But again, to kick things off, here's something that Flea said. Again, the, the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but perhaps better known as a massive, massive Lakers fan. Flea says, Dear Rob Palenka, do something now. Either blow it all up and rebuild or mortgage the future and fix the lack of chemistry and skill on this basketball team. Do not let another season meander its way down the drain, wasting the great LeBron James's sunset of his career. Also tagged the Lakers in that. So what Flea's saying, and the reason why I'm highlighting this, is because, as you'll notice, as we get into some of our fan questions and comments, a lot of Lakers fans are echoing this sentiment. Do something. They just want to see something. The team is 0-4 right now, and the play on the floor has not looked good. Here's my concern with what we saw most recently against the Denver Nuggets. It was joyless on both ends of the floor. And last season was also joyless. There just wasn't much to get excited about. It looked like the guys that were on the floor weren't that happy to be there. And losing isn't fun. And particularly when you can't hit shots. Like we've seen this. There's this effect in basketball where when you're not making shots, just the level of fun that a team has, the level of fun in the game goes down. It makes it that much more difficult to stay focused on the defensive end of the floor. It's a real thing. And the Lakers have had a lot of trouble scoring the basketball. They're shooting, what, now 22%. Uh, they've gone up 1% on average now from behind the arc because they shot, what, 25 26% against the Denver Nuggets, which is still ridiculously bad. It's just compared to the previous three games, that's actually an improvement, which is what Patrick Beverly noted after their loss to the Denver Nuggets. So when you're seeing this product out on the floor, you're seeing a Lakers team that just can't hit shots. Again, if they were knocking down shots, this would be a very different vibe around this team right now. They would be at worst two and two at this moment if they were shooting threes at a league worst average from last season. I've talked all about it. I'm not going to rehash that over again, but the shooting is the biggest concern right now. But as Flea's saying, if we keep heading down this path, ultimately fans will expect, expect the Lakers to do something. Not just allow this thing to continue on as is, either put it out of its misery and trade away everybody. By the way, cannot trade LeBron James this season because of when he signed an extension, he would not be trade eligible until after the trade deadline, which means LeBron cannot be traded this season. We will talk about this a little bit when we get into uh, some of our questions and comments in, in just a few minutes here, but either do that. All right, everybody, you know, we're going to sell off whatever assets that we've got here. Anthony Davis, he goes on the block and everything else. And we're going to try to build for the future or 
do what you need to do in order to fix what this is right now. And that means going out there and making a trade, which is certainly easier said than done. But what fans really don't want to see, and what Flea is saying here is they don't want to see this, where we're at right now, where they're 0-4, they can't win games, it's not fun to watch, and you don't have either a good product right now or hope for the future. You don't have either of those things as of this moment. If you had your draft pick this year, in which the Lakers, they have a draft pick, just might not be their own. The Pelicans have the pick swap. But if let's say the Lakers didn't include that pick swap. And this is where some of that, you know, the negotiating with the Pelicans comes back to haunt you from the Anthony Davis trade. The Lakers have done maybe a little bit better job negotiating there. The situation right now wouldn't look quite so dire. But if you had your draft pick, then okay, you can say, you know what? This year's team doesn't have it, but look, we're going to get a high draft pick. Maybe if they get lucky in the lottery, Victor Weminyama, and then you're off and running, and then you've got cap space to play with, on and on and on. The Lakers can't offer either of those things right now, and that's what set the losing years apart. Those years when the Lakers won, they won, what, 17 games one season? Those years, you know what? As much as it wasn't fun watching the team lose night in and night out, you at least knew what was going on. You knew what the plan was. Everybody was on board. They knew what was going on here. Okay, look, there were people, there were, there was a protest in LA and all that. Apparently, there have been some fans on Twitter that have been trying to organize another one. I can't get on board with that. Like the first one, I thought wasn't a great look, but to each their own. In any event, fans weren't thrilled that the Lakers continued to lose games when they were building, but at least there was a sense of, hey, they've got some young guys that could become something. What can Brandon Ingram become? What could Lonzo Ball become? What about Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma and, and all these other guys? There was at least a sense that they're building towards something. And again, I'm not saying people were perfectly happy then, but at least you had that kind of hope built in. You knew what they were going towards. Or once LeBron arrived and then they went and got Anthony Davis, it was, okay, we're trying to win right now. And you've got these great pieces. You've got Kuzma, who, who kept over from the previous era. You uh, bring in Alex Caruso. You've got Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who is also a holdover. You bring in guys like Danny Green. You're getting the pieces put together to try to win right now. And then they did that. And it was fun to watch, and it was exciting. And then the next year, they did that. And now you're just in this spot where you've got all these kind of one-year contract guys, nobody that you can necessarily look at and say, that's our guy for the future. I mean, there's Austin Reeves, who, I mean, we like Austin Reeves. There's Max Christie, who you see sparingly. A few, you know, younger guys. It's not like you've got, hey, this this was our guy that we drafted number two, and we're going to develop him. At least this is going to be a development year for this guy. You don't even have that right now. And so I understand the frustration from, from Lakers fans who are looking at this team and seeing 0-4, saying, what are we doing? Do something. Pick a direction and go. And what Brian Windhorst said today is that the Lakers might do neither of those things. Yeah, I want to get into that for a moment. So Brian Windhorst of, uh, of ESPN, as you guys know, uh, was on ESPN programming today. And this is what he said, and I'm reading a direct quote here. He said, the message that the Lakers have sent both internally and to other teams is that they are going to wait for the big one, not the big trade. They are not necessarily interested in a trade that would make them marginally better to get them to maybe looking at the seven, eight, or nine seed. They want a trade that would take them up into contention. Obviously, that's hard to do. Obviously, that takes time. And they could do something around the edges. They could make a small move, but we're really talking about the Russell Westbrook trade. And so I would say to you that the vibe from the Lakers is not to expect that. Not to, he's saying not to expect a Westbrook trade, to try to grow internally, to try to figure out lineups that work better and just don't shoot historically bad. If they were to shoot their career averages, their defensive numbers suggest they would approach being an average team, which quite frankly might be the ceiling for this Lakers, Lakers squad. I don't disagree with him. That's what I've been saying. If they were shooting just their average for their careers, the Lakers would be two and two right now, maybe three and one. At worst, they would be two and two. At worst, they would be two and two. They might be three and one right now if they just shot average from three. He then said he was asked about the path to getting better. And this was his response to the question about the path to getting better. He said the path 
is the 23-24 season. If they're really being honest about it, and I do think they are being honest internally, their best bet may be to just wait until Russell Westbrook falls off the books, have the $50 million in salary cap space, have their draft pick. They do have their first-round pick. The Pelicans have a swap with them, so take you out of the, the Victor Wemiyama hopes. But do they? Uh, but they do have that pick, theoretically, to trade, and the Westbrook picks. In the interim, they are just hoping that some of their players get back to shooting their career averages because when you look at the numbers, it's almost scary how bad they are in shooting. Um, he also mentioned another point that they would have 50 million in cap space. He's written that in a piece for ESPN too. I can't figure it out. I, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. I don't see it. I've, I even hit up uh, Keith Smith, front office co-host, salary cap genius, and said, how does Windhorst have them at 50 million in salary cap space this year? I do not see how they're getting there. Keith doesn't see it either. So I don't, I don't know where he's getting that 50 million number. Maybe he's like totally leaving out salary cap holds or something, but not anticipated to actually have that. But the other stuff that he's saying is interesting in that Windhorse is saying the Lakers internally may be thinking their best bet is just to ride out the storm of this season. Just to wait. Just kick the can down the road. Punt on the season, if you will. And here's the thing. Strategically, that may be the correct decision. It may be best for the team long-term to wait Look, you made a huge mistake with Russell Westbrook. Regardless of what you think about Russ, even if you're a Russ stan, there's no, there's no debating it. It was a massive mistake making that trade. Undoing it will be painful. Undoing it will be costly. And your best bet might be to just let that contract fall off the books. And then you go into next summer with three draft picks to trade. Because on draft night, you can trade the pick that either is your pick or the pick you get from the Pelicans in a pick swap. You can trade that plus the 2027 first, plus the 2029 first. Yeah, you can trade all of those things. So that's what you now have the option to, to mess around with, is that sort of a, a situation where you can trade all of that stuff. Um, again, you, you wouldn't have Westbrook's contract because he's going to be a free agent but you would have cap space to play with. You'd have draft picks to use. And off you go. You've got LeBron and AD under contract, and then you got to figure out building out a roster from there. That's not what fans want to hear. Again, going back to what Flea said, I think this speaks for the majority of Lakers fans based on what I've seen, has been saying, do something now. Either blow this thing up and rebuild, and we'll talk about the issues with that when we get into some of the Q&A here, or do what you need to do in order to help this team win. Brian Windhorst is saying, Internally, the Lakers are talking about just riding out the storm. I have a feeling that's not going to be well-received by Lakers fans. When I look at the cap space, too, and I look at who's really there, like Andrew Wiggins, right, would have been near the top of my list of free agent targets for this next summer. He already signed an extension. A lot of the times when you look at these lists for, oh, this player is going to be a free agent in this year. Let's Okay, let's keep cap space for this guy. Oh, wait. Oh, he signed an extension. Okay. We're in this era where a lot of guys sign extensions knowing that they can get moved at a later date. Now, maybe you can still use the cap space in order to help facilitate a trade. Um, we see that happen a lot. But you can't look at prospective free agent lists for future years and think every one of those guys on that list is going to be there. So like Andrew Wiggins would have been a, a target of mine. He's already gone. Um, that's just the way this, this works. I'm not necessarily on board with just waiting. Personally, I, I don't know if that makes the most sense for the Lakers to do. I understand the rationale behind it. I understand not wanting to make a bad move. I understand why you want that out there publicly too. To try to take away some of that idea that you're desperate to do something. But it's a bit concerning for Lakers fans. And I think it's a little bit concerning to LeBron James as well. LeBron today putting out on Instagram uh, a message saying uh, it, was, it was a real him dunking the ball off of a great pass from Austin Reeves. And in the, the comment there, he said, he talked about being taken for granted. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How long are they going to keep take you for granted? So LeBron putting that out, LeBron knows, LeBron knows everybody's going to pick up on what he's saying. He knows when he puts that kind of stuff out there, everybody's going to see that. Direct quote here, how long will you be taken for granted? LeBron puts that out. So Brian Windhorst has long been, and this is me trying to put puzzle pieces together here, by the way. Brian Windhorst has covered LeBron James for a long time. A long, long time. If he's hearing something, LeBron's probably hearing that same thing. So if Windhorst is putting out there into the universe that the Lakers internally are thinking about just kind of riding this thing out, which would effectively mean punting on LeBron's age 37 and 38 season, then suddenly LeBron takes to Instagram and says, how long will you be taken for granted? Now, I can't confirm that those two things are connected, but it just seems interesting that both of those things happen on the same day. LeBron knows how things are going to be taken uh, when he puts something out on social media. He knows the reaction that there's going to be. And I would imagine that if it's if that path is going to not sit well with anybody, it's going to be LeBron, who doesn't want to wait in order to win, especially after he just signed an extension. He didn't need to, but he signed an extension with the Lakers. He gave up that control instead of dangling that extension over the Lakers' heads all year until they made the moves he wanted them to make. He said, I trust you, and I'm going to sign this. Rob Palenka even talked on Media Day about how they would move those picks 2027 and 2029 if the right deal came up and that it was implied that they would do what it takes to win right now. So coming off of saying all of that, it would seem to think, it would seem to, to, it's reason to believe that the Lakers would be more willing to make a move right now and get something done. And yet now Windhorse is putting out there that internally the Lakers might just be conceding that they can't, that they're better off just waiting it out. That will not be received well by LeBron. You could see the frustration that he had against Denver. That frustration is there. You could see the frustration even LeBron. LeBron has been in the media's eye for the majority of his life. He has spent the majority of his life answering questions. And you could see LeBron get frustrated the other night with the questions after the, the Portland loss with the questions about Russell Westbrook. If it's frustrating LeBron to have to talk about this, you know it's frustrating the rest of the team. You know the situation's not good. And when you add losing games on top of that, it's a bad situation. It's a bad scenario to be in when you've got LeBron and now it's getting out there that you might not do anything to fix this. That's the situation that we're in right now, Lakers Nation. That's the spot we're in. The Lakers have three paths, three choices. Keep things as they are and you do nothing. You can't, you hang on to your cap space for next summer and you ride out this season. You keep your head down, ride out the rest of the season, right? Okay, that's one path. Another path, you blow this thing up. Trade away what you can, get future stuff. LeBron, you can't trade him, but you let him go and break Kareem's record and then tell him, look, we'll either trade you in the offseason or you know whatever it is you want to do or we'll try and rebuild something else around you next summer. Or you... Do what you need to do in order to add pieces and help them win right now. That's the situation the Lakers are in. Those are the choices that they're making. And I think the path that fans don't want to hear them going down is the first one I mentioned. The let's do nothing for right now and just ride this out. But it's sounding like that may be the one they're leaning towards. Now, again, all that can change tomorrow. We'll see what happens. But something to note as we get into this. 
All right, let's get into our fan Q&A. This is, uh, most of these questions were coming after the Lakers lost to the Denver Nuggets. So keep that in mind when we are measuring the frustration here. Don't get me wrong, frustrations at a high level anyway, particularly for October. We are four games into the season. We're just getting into the second week, really, of the NBA season here. And Lakers fans' frustration is very high. But Nicholas says, one thing to discuss is Lonnie Walker IV starting out hot this year and Kendrick Nunn going ice cold. Nunn was our best offensive player preseason. You know, I, I want to give credit to Lonnie Walker. He was the guy that during the summer we talked about how it was hard to see exactly where he was going to fit in the rotation, whether or not he was better than some of the other guards that were on the roster. So far, he has been. So far, he's proven that he should be out there on the floor. I still think I like him as a sixth man the best. On a good team, he could be a solid sixth man. That's the way I see him. Kind of a Malik Monk in that way, but he's not the same player. But none was really good in preseason. And the Lakers, because of their salary cap situation, really need to get Kendrick Nunn going again. He's the one guy that they could have early bird rights on. So it means they could pay him a little bit more, go over the salary cap to keep him. Um, that is not true of Lonnie Walker, of Troy Brown, of Juan Toscano Anderson, of Dennis Schroeder, of Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, any of the guys they signed to these one-year deals, which is a lot of their roster, they don't have these early bird rights on. They do on Kendrick Nunn. So it's important for the Lakers that Nunn gets going. Look, he's got two years with the Miami Heat where he was a 15-plus point-per-game score. Now, he spent last season injured, but still you've got a decent background of Kendrick Nunn being a quality player. We have five, six games now with preseason and regular season of him really struggling. I'm still going to fall back on the longer history that we've got of him being good and assume that eventually the shot's going to come around because it's not just him. It feels like team-wide, everybody is just hesitant to shoot. They're tight. Um, they feel the weight of all of these misses accumulating. You can just see it when they go to shoot. They're not shooting with confidence right now. I think it's really getting into their heads. Um, we mentioned Lonnie Walker's hot start. He's not even shooting that well. I mean, he's like a 34% shooter from three for his career. But just like most of the Lakers, he's also shooting well below his career percentage. He's at 17% from three. Yeah, this is, look, people are starting to talk about it a bit more, but it's still not enough. We cannot underscore this enough. The, the Lakers are shooting ridiculously low from behind the arc, like to levels that no one would ever predict. You wouldn't believe anybody. Nobody would believe you. If you said that four games into the season, the Lakers would be averaging 22% from three when you look at their roster. It doesn't make sense that they'd be shooting this poorly, particularly on wide open looks. It's got to be getting their heads. I still believe at some point, progression to the mean is going to happen. They're they're, this will average out. But until it does, it's going to continue to be an issue. All right. Sir Knight said, and we don't even have Victor as a silver lining to fall back on or to look forward to. This is excruciating. Yeah, like I said, there's, there isn't that silver lining this year. You, you're not tanking for your draft pick. The Pelicans can swap picks with you. So really, if you're the Lakers right now, you are doing two things. You want to win games and you want the Pelicans to lose games because the best case scenario is that that pick swap doesn't get used, that it's zero value. But in order for that to happen, the, the Lakers have to finish with a better record than the Pelicans. Right now, that doesn't appear to be likely. Jay Aguilar, any under-the-radar blockbuster trade for us? If it's, let's put it this way. I, I know, I honestly don't know of any under-the-radar the blockbuster trade, but if there was any kind of blockbuster trade out there regarding the Lakers and they let it leak out, it would be out. It would be out. Anything involving the Lakers is going to get out. Um, in terms of a, a blockbuster trade. If it's leaked to anybody, they're not going to sit on that information. They're going to, to put that out there. So I think the, the concept of an under-the-radar blockbuster trade, you're not going to hear about something under the radar until it's done, right? If for, it to, for it to stay under the radar, it would have to be done, done, right? It would have to be like a Pau Gasol type thing where just out of the blue, whoa, what? The Lakers are doing what? They're trading for who? Or a Russell Westbrook situation. That was also kind of under the radar. So, um, no, there, there's nothing out there at the moment. In fact, everything we've heard is that the only deals the Lakers have available to them are the ones they didn't want to do over the summer. Um, that would mean like Indiana, maybe something with Utah, although Utah put out their 
recently that they're not that interested. Zach Lowe said they would prefer not to move Jordan Clarkson. Okay, what do you have left? <laughs> That's Nobody's going to give you anything for Mike Conley. I, I'm assuming they're not going to move Lowry Markin or Jared Vanderbilt. So, yeah, there, there's not a lot to go for there. Um, San Antonio, maybe. Maybe you can talk talk about something there. But it doesn't sound like there's some like new team jumping in and saying, hey, Lakers, we'll give you some good stuff for, for Russell Westbrook and some picks um, as of this moment. And that's part of why the Lakers, they want to let the dust settle to see if some new teams do pop up as the season goes on and the standings normalize and December 15th, everybody who signed contracts or most players who signed contracts this past summer become trade eligible. So that's another thing too, where suddenly you get all of these other players that can't be traded right now can be, but December 15th is a long way away and you got to keep your head above water until then. It's not going to be easy. Kegels Bagel said this Kendrick Nunn is so much worse than 2020 Miami Nunn. Yeah, look, no arguing there. I still think the Lakers, it behooves them to get Kendrick Nunn back up and running, get him back to being that guy. There's any way to do it. It helps them not just this season, but again, because of the bird ride situation, he's one of the few guys that you can actually maybe hang on to. So there's a couple of big reasons why you really want Kendrick Nunn to get going. Nam said, go get Richardson and McDermott for one pick. So Richardson and McDermott to the Spurs, I'm sorry, from the Spurs to the Lakers, plus Russell Westbrook and a pick going to the Spurs. But that would involve the Spurs absorbing some salary. I don't even know if they would do that for just one pick. But anyway, then use the $21.2 million trade exception. That's where you run into a problem. Uh, with a pick for Buddy Turner or Rogier. Look, I'm down with that. I think that would be that's a great idea. I don't know if the Spurs are doing that. Like, if I'm the Spurs, I'm saying I'm taking on Russ. I'm eating an extra $21 million in salary, plus giving you Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott, wings who can help you, and all I'm getting is one first out of it, and I've got to pay an extra $21 million plus give you guys assets? I'm probably not doing that. And then from the Lakers side, I'm saying, well, Richardson and McDermott doesn't move the needle for us all that much. This doesn't make us a contender. So yeah, I'm only giving you one pick. I can see where you would be at an impasse because I can understand the thinking for both sides there. If you can do it and you're the Lakers and you can get Richardson and McDermott and say Turner, great, great. Yeah, do it. But I don't know that you actually can. Um, also say this, when we're looking at the Lakers and their trade options, I think one of the things they philosophically have to decide upon, and maybe they already have, is what is Anthony Davis? What is AD? Is he a center? Is he a power forward? Is he playing all of his minutes at center right now, which he is? Is he doing that because the Lakers believe he's a center? Or is he doing it right now because they don't have any other options? Because Damian Jones hasn't been good enough. Thomas Bryant's hurt. Those reasons. If it's that they prefer, if it's because of the injury to Thomas Bryant and because of Damian Jones not playing well enough, then it makes sense if you're going to trade Russ to have a center be part of the package and move AD over to power forward. If that's not the case, then cool. Then focus on the wings. Get Richardson, get McDermott, get whatever. Get those things. But it's got. But you have to make a decision on AD because that's going to help inform your decision on the trade front. Uh, Try 22 said, how would you slot the rotation if you do the Spurs deal? So none, so this, this example is none and Russ for Richardson, McDermott, and Pirtle. Well, for me, Pirtle instantly goes into the starting lineup alongside AD. Your three becomes LeBron James. Richardson can play the two. He's 6'5". So I'm putting him in the, at the two. And then at the one, you're going to go with either Dennis Schroeder or Patrick Beverly, most likely. Um, Austin Reeves maybe can get into the mix there, but you're just running one of your other guards there. Um, that's a pretty decent size lineup. I mean, you're going from really an undersized team to a pretty big team, right? Like you've got LeBron 6'8". He's suddenly your three. Josh Richardson is 6'5". You got AD. You got Pirtle. You know what? The, the size actually reminds me of the 2020 team, the title team. That was JaVale, AD, LeBron, and then 6'5", KCP. And then you had, what, Avery Bradley when he was around. Danny Green was 6'6". That's a big team. So the Lakers are kind of setting up that way with that deal. And then McDermott is, is uh, shooting off the bench for you. That's how I would, would structure that. Uh, Coop Boy said, watch the Nets. 
they potentially could have just a as disastrous of a season and the trade talks could open back up if KD and Kyrie are unhappy. So um, earlier this evening, I'm recording this Thursday evening, They uh, the, the Nets lost in overtime to the Dallas Mavericks. I watched the game. Kyrie looked good. He was doing his thing. Um, he was really good. But the Nets still did not win. Uh, right now, as of this recording, the Nets, the Lakers, and the 76ers combined have two wins and 12 losses. Two wins and 12 losses for those three teams combined. Frightening stuff. But you're not wrong. This is what the Lakers are looking for. For other teams around the NBA who are either doing better than they expected coming into the season or worse than they expected coming into the season and therefore are looking for different things than they thought they would be. So 20 games in, 25 games in, if the Nets are really struggling, if guys start fighting, is, look, Kyrie's an expiring. Do the Nets suddenly start saying, well, okay, maybe we'll take whatever we can get for Kyrie now rather than lose him for nothing next summer. Does that happen? I'm not saying it's likely, but that's the kind of thing that the Lakers are waiting to see if anything like that develops um, right around, you know, Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit after, maybe it's December 15th. That's what they're hoping is going to start to occur, occur as the season goes on. Centennial said, I went to the game out here. Oh, okay. So in Denver and we look horrible. We can't make a sandwich. I like that. I like that phrase. We can't make a sandwich. Not, not only are they shooting poorly, they can't even make a sandwich. Westbrook is only one symptom of the problem. It's the team. Everyone, including LeBron. Yeah, the, the shooting plague has infected everyone on the team. It has. Maybe I shouldn't use those terms living in the, you know, the COVID world, right? But, but it does seem like this is something that is bothering everybody. The inability to shoot. It's it's really hitting all of the players on the it just everybody is shooting below what they would typically shoot, right? Below their career averages. In fact, I'm looking at the team three point percentage right now. Even LeBron, even LeBron's at 26% from three. Austin Reeves is at 40% from three. So he's above his career average, but that's on a small sample size of shots. He's only averaging two and a half attempts per game. Maybe he needs to shoot a bit more. Matt Reeves is at 50% from three. Uh, Max Christie leads the team at 100%, one shot, one make. But LeBron, 26%. He's a, what, 36-ish, off the top of my head, percent three-point shooter for his career, maybe 37. Kendrick Nunn's 38% from three for his career. He's at 23 right now. Patrick Beverly is 37-ish percent for his career. He's at 19% right now. Anthony Davis is at 18% right now. That's the same percentage he shot last season. Lonnie Walker, 34% for his career, 17% right now. Juan Toscano Anderson shooting 13% from three. Russell Westbrook, 8% from three. Everyone else who has attempted a three has not made it. Troy Brown Jr. yet to make a three. Wenyan Gabriel hasn't attempted one. Damian Jones didn't make one, did attempt one at some point. And Cole Swider hasn't made it. So everybody is, is shooting poorly. You're right in that. It's not, it's not just Russ. It's everybody on the team that are that's having these struggles right now. Um, and they, I mean, the best way out of it is Start start knocking down shots. Teams are giving you wide open shots. At some point, you have to knock them down while at the same time, probably reducing your attempts. Start attacking the basket a bit more to try to get you by. And then hopefully, as you see the ball go into the net or you get to the free throw line and get yourself going that way, eventually the outside shots will start dropping. Eddie said, assuming Russ gets benched or no trade, who would the Lakers go after and will they go over the cap? Who will they go after if there's no trade with Russ? Who would they go after in free agency next summer? If that's what he's asking, I mean, there's again, the list is not great in terms of free agents that are out there. I don't have it in front of me as of this moment. Will they go over the cap? Yeah, sure. They, they'll go over the cap if they can. Um, the way it would work is if they have, let's let's just say they have 30 million in cap space, which is it's within the realm of possibility. So let's say they have 30 million in cap space. And they go after two, three guys with that cap space. Let's say two. They, they spend 15 million each on two players. Okay. So now you have LeBron, AD, those two players, you're out of cap space. You also get, though, the room exception, which would give you eh, like about 5 million or so to spend from there. So there is an exception that would allow you to go over the cap from there. So yeah, you can exceed the cap that way. Uh, Austin Reeves, let's say you give him a new contract, you give him 
uh, a qualifying offer to keep him on the books there, and then you give him a new contract, you can exceed the cap for that because he's he's your guy. Uh, you've got Arenas rights on him. So you can do that as well. The question, though, you can exceed the cap and not exceed the luxury tax. I think that's the bigger concern is not exceeding the luxury tax so you don't trigger the repeater uh, tax. I, I don't want to go into all of the details on that right now, but I would expect the Lakers to exceed the salary cap next year. Maybe not the luxury tax, but the salary cap for sure. David Shire, LeBron can't carry a team anymore and neither should he. We are at a point that we need to trade, need to trade to make Lakers basketball a bit more respectable. Just try to be competitive on a nightly basis. You know, there's a lot of Lakers fans who have echoed the sentiment. Like, I just want to see this team compete. I just don't want to feel embarrassed night in and night out. Look, last season was very difficult to get through because every night it just, there wasn't a lot to be excited about. There wasn't a lot to be happy about. You left the games just... You left the games feeling worse than you did when the game started. And that's not an ideal situation. That's not what you want for a fan base. So even if your team is not great, but they're at least winning some games and they're providing you some hope, there's some value to that coming off of what we had last season. Now, you don't want to be a treadmill team either, but I also think David's not wrong in terms of LeBron shouldn't have to carry a team right now. This wasn't the plan. The plan was not... This team right now at 37, 38 years old is going to go wherever LeBron is going to take them. The plan was this is going to be Anthony Davis's team. But his back's already hurting, right? His back is an issue. He's questionable for the game against the Wolves because he kept grabbing his back in the game against the Nuggets. And that's not, it's not like AD is choosing to get hurt, but it's a factor here. And it's part of what's put them in this situation now where LeBron's still being asked to do a lot. And against the Nuggets, he didn't look like he really wanted to do all of that. I think that's part of the reason why he wanted the Lakers to get Dennis Schroeder and then wanted them to get Russell Westbrook. So somebody could deal with the burden of handling the ball and running the offense and all of that kind of stuff. And he could pick his spots a bit more. It's very noticeable when LeBron has an off night or LeBron isn't giving full energy because there isn't that other guy to do it. Anthony Davis, night in and night out, isn't isn't doing it. Hasn't look. He's played well. Don't get me wrong. He played well against the Nuggets. He's been good. He hasn't been the one A superstar that you can just go AD. All right, put us on your back. Ah, maybe I shouldn't say back, given the injury, but carry us to wherever we're going to go. Carry us to a win. I don't think you can trust AD to do that right now. In 2020, you could. And so I think LeBron, after 2020, started looking, saying, yeah, we, we need another ball handler guy that can help kind of just get the offense going when I'm, when I'm not in there or when I need to go and, and just be a spot-up guy. And the, the Lakers just haven't been able to provide that. I think part of that was a mistake in terms of what they targeted for that job in Russell Westbrook. Uh, James Bell, what do you mean uncomfortable? That's the whole purpose of a protest. That's the only way the Lakers... Are, uh, are willing to make a move sooner than later. There was talk on the show about potentially a protest in front of Crypto.com Arena. Um, again, that was done years ago. And I thought Lakers fans didn't come off looking great. Because what winds up happening is when, when we look at this, right, and we are in kind of our last box of emotions, as it, as it were, right, we are contained in our own Lakers world. And in that world, it makes a lot of sense to be upset and to be frustrated and to be angry with the front office and all of those things. But what happens is when suddenly it becomes a big thing and fans are actually going to Crypto.com Arena to protest, it starts getting looked at through a couple of lenses. Um, you look at it as though, hey, look, in the modern world with everything going on in the real world and all these big problems that are out there, really, we're protesting because our sports team isn't doing well enough. Like you get that take, that lens, but then you also get, even in the sports lens, the Lakers have 17 championships and their fans are going out there and protesting. These teams that have never won at all aren't protesting. These teams that haven't tasted anywhere near the success the Lakers have, haven't gone out and protested their team. And so you wind up looking bad 
when suddenly it becomes this big public spectacle. Like within Lakers fandom, being upset and being frustrated, that it's not going to be viewed negatively among Lakers fans. But when suddenly that gets blown up to a bigger proportion, like a public protest does, um, it can get flipped around. And it can have an unintended consequence where the fan base doesn't look quite as good. At least that was what I thought came out of that previous protest. Now, again, I would never tell anybody not to do something that they really want to do. Right? If that's something, if that if you believe that's the best way to help the team and that's going to make the best change, look, that's just my opinion. You do what what you want to do and what you think is going to be best. Um, personally, I just don't think it's it's the way to go. But again, if, if that's something that people decide to do, that's that's what you do. Uh, my said, retire Russ's jersey so he can't play for us anymore. Well, that, that that's not how that works. That's not how retiring a jersey works. Speaking of which, this is probably why I put this one in here. Um, as silly as it is, retiring a jersey. So George Mikan's jersey is going to get retired. And I think it's interesting that the Lakers in the press release noted that it was good. The retirement ceremony was going to be pregame. Lakers Nuggets on Sunday. The retirement ceremony will be pregame instead of at halftime. Most jersey retirement ceremonies that you've ever seen take place at halftime of a game, don't they? That's already got people questioning it. I don't know if this is the reason or not. The Lakers obviously aren't going to say this, but there's people that are speculating that the reason why it's pregame and not at halftime is because if it's at halftime when the arena is full and everybody's there and Jeannie and Rob go out on the floor to do this retirement ceremony, the retirement is going to get interrupted with boos that there's going to be booing. And that's not what they want for, you know, for George Mikan and remembering what he did for the franchise, the organization, all of that. And I understand that thinking. I don't know if that's actually why they moved it, but that's what, that's the take that I'm seeing going around out there. And I wonder how valid that actually is. Uh, Chris V said, everything Jeannie and Palenka has said publicly has shown that they have no idea why they won in 20. And it's terrifying. You know, I was talking about this on Twitter a little bit. The Lakers kind of stumbled upon the, the new recipe for success in the NBA in terms of two stars surrounded by role players that all fit and you develop chemistry and cohesion and continuity, all those things. And then they kind of threw it out the window. It's like they found the new way to do something and then didn't believe that they had found it and tossed it aside after two years and said, let's go back to the old way and try to create a three-star super team not really the era that we're in right now particularly with the consequences that came along with those actions in terms of ruining your continuity not having the depth that you needed i think you can still have a three-star super team as it were but you still have to have the depth alongside those guys you can't have three stars at the expense of depth at this point you would rather have depth and two stars than three stars and no depth and the Lakers made that mistake. You could, if you have depth and three stars, great. That's that's the best of both worlds. But the Lakers decided to sacrifice depth for the three-star model. And then, as it turned out, Russell Westbrook wasn't performing at a star level anymore, and other factors as well put him in the spot. Eddie said, "Any chance Braun gets traded after the year, especially if they don't make the playoffs? At least they can get back assets and Russ is off the books. They don't own this year's pick, and it'll be top five for sure." I'm not going to say their pick's going to fall in the top five right now for sure, four games in. That's I think that's what we really need to remember is that as frustrating as these four games have been, the season is 82 games. We have a long way to go. And maybe that's terrifying, right? After what we've seen. I don't want to see 82 games of what we saw over the first four, but but we've got a long way to go before just conceding. Up, oh, season's over. It's done. Yep, that's it. It's over. All right, top five pick. That's that's it. They're going to be one of the worst five teams in the NBA, no question. I think that's going a bit too far. Four games into a season. Could they trade LeBron this year? I, I believe it would take LeBron going to the Lakers and saying, hey, this isn't working. I want out. Let's find a trade here. I don't know exactly what you get for him on the trade market. That's something that would have to develop at the time, but could it happen? Sure. Let's say the season goes terribly and LeBron decides, I don't want to run this back. This isn't this isn't what I want. The cap space that we had or whatever happened over the season, it's not going to work. But again, I don't think the Lakers would go to LeBron and say, hey, LeBron, just FYI, we're trading you. Sorry. Thanks for your help. See ya. No, it would be 
it would be a conversation with LeBron and the Lakers. They would come to an agreement. Then they would go find a trade. It's not the kind of thing the Lakers would just spring on LeBron. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Rob Palenka, staying put, is embarrassing. Our Laker franchise is putting us in a tough spot. LeBron's not being aggressive early. Looks like he's over this. So that was, again, after the Nuggets game. And LeBron's comments post-game acknowledged that he was not being aggressive enough looking at his own for his own shots and said he was going to fix that. So I, I, I noticed that, too, about LeBron in the Nuggets game. He wasn't aggressive enough. He recognized it, said he's going to change it. So we'll see. We'll see what, what uh, tonight, by the time you're listening to this, uh, that game against the Wolves looks like for LeBron. Le- Le- Rob Pelink is staying put. I think the optics aren't great. I don't necessarily think Rob staying put is the worst thing in the world, but the optics of Frank Vogel is fired because the Lakers have the worst season in team history, not record-wise, but in terms of how enjoyable it is to watch the team. That's what we went through last season. Frank Vogel gets fired, and I'm not saying that's the wrong decision, but then Rob Palenka gets an extension. Now, see, I can understand. I can understand we're going to let the GM stay. He's the one who's hiring the head coach. We want to make sure there's synergy between the coach and the front office. And so we're going to build this. Uh, fine. I get it. But to go through that season and then to give an extension sends the wrong message. And I think the Lakers knew this. And that's why they didn't publicize it. The extension came before Darvin Ham was hired. They didn't publicize it because. I think they knew that that wasn't going to look so good to Lakers fans. Eddie, they're so bad at threes, they, yet they keep taking them. Yeah, they're, they're given those threes. Those looks are being given to them, and so they're taking open looks. Um, I, I think they need to cut down on them, but you don't just stop taking them completely because, like I've been saying, at some point, the numbers have to average out. You would never project that it would be this bad for any length of time. So I still think at some point they're going to get on track shooting the three. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to be a good three-point shooting team. Just not historically bad like they've been. Tully said, this season is making me so sad about not getting Reddish and or Christian Wood. Uh, he's looking like one of the best shooting bigs in the league right now. Look, Tully, I've been off. If you guys have been listening to my show, you know I have been talking about Christian Wood for years and how the Lakers needed to get him and all of that. This isn't my victory lap or anything. There's plenty of players that I think would look good next to Anthony Davis, but He's always been high on my list of guys I was intrigued about putting next to AD. He was someone that I was hoping the Lakers would go get. I thought the Mavs got him for an absolute steal with the price that they paid for him. Uh, but yeah, he's, he is looking good for Dallas. Cam Reddish, that, that wasn't even really the Lakers' fault. From everything we heard, it was the Raptors and the Knicks. There was a three-team deal. Reddish was coming to the Lakers. Uh, THT was going to the Raptors. And the Raptors and Knicks couldn't, figure out life and couldn't come to terms on their um, their part, uh, the draft compensation that was going to be going between those two teams. And that's what caused that to fall apart, Un- unfortunately, because I think he would have been a good fit. Uh, this one says, as lifelong fans of this teams, would you ever consider blowing this entire team up under certain circumstances? That includes trading LeBron and AD. Yeah, I wouldn't be against a complete rebuild. I'm not... I'm not opposed to that if it's very clear that's the the spot they're at. I think one of the things that the Lakers really made a mistake with is underestimating how powerful bird rights are. Like I said, you look at all these one-year contract guys that they've got, you don't get bird rights on one-year contract players. And bird rights are how you ultimately are able to build and keep a team together going over the cap to do so. But when you don't have bird rights on these guys, you build a team and then anybody that does well, you just lose. You watch them walk away like we saw with Malik Monk this past year. And so because of that, you almost, I'm not saying you have to, but $30 million in cap space, probably best, best case, you're not going to build a whole roster that way. You're just not. You're going to have LeBron AD, two, maybe three players that you sign with cap space if you do nothing, right? If you don't make a trade, and then you can bring back like Austin Reeves and maybe Kendrick Nunn. 
So those two, three guys that you get with that $30 million, or maybe one guy, they've got to be huge. They've got to make a major impact because everybody else on your roster is a veteran minimum. Well, how do you avoid having so many veteran minimum guys on your roster and still be good? You've got to build guys up and be able to keep them around using bird rights so you can continue to stay over the salary cap and still pay those guys. If you're over the salary cap and you don't have bird rights on a player like we saw with Malik Mug, you don't get to keep them. That's the problem. And so in order to get back to that place, it might require a full teardown and then build up. But remember, you've got a pick swap this year and then the Pelicans get to take either the 2024 or 2025 picks. Usually if you're going to do a rebuild, you want to do it around draft picks. Now, maybe you can get so much draft compensation for LeBron and AD that you just say, you know what? Those picks we traded, whatever the Pelicans get out of them, it's a sunk cost. It is what it is. Let's do what's best for us. And that's probably what I would recommend if they go down that path. You got to just rip the Band-Aid off and go. I'm not saying it's the path I would choose, but I also wouldn't be opposed to it if it's clear that that's just the best path forward for this team's future. But that would also mean making a decision pretty soon to not use those future picks, the 2027 and 2029 picks. Jared said, in a world where AD is not our A player, who do you think we should or will target as the next face of the franchise? It's hard to say. I mean, projecting out however many years AD has left and then who do you go after? I mean, look, Kyrie was on their radar, but is he really your long-term guy? It could be somebody that you wind up getting in the draft um, one of these years. That could be it. I mean, Keith Smith will hate me, but Jason Tatum would be fantastic. Um, the Lakers already had the opportunity to just draft him. They did not do it. But it's it's getting more and more difficult to just grab a player in free agency, particularly a star-level player that's young. More often than not, you have to either execute a very shrewd trade, um, like, say, the Thunder did, getting Shea Gilgis-Alexander and a ton of picks from the Clippers. Or, or you have to draft that player. That's, those are the ways that you find them. And maybe you can get that player in some sort of an AD trade or LeBron trade. You get, get somebody who's on the uprise and then they wind up growing even further than expected. Maybe you can find that guy. But pinpointing exactly who that is, like what's who's the name, who's the guy, I think we're just too early for that. Sam said, I don't know much about, much about Doug. Uh, what would we be getting in him? Doug McDermott, uh, decent size on the wing. Not a fantastic defender, but can shoot. Shoots the ball really well. Had like 19 the other night for the Spurs. The guy can shoot. Um, that's something the Lakers sorely need. Isle Frakash. It's not just how Russ is playing. It's more about what we could have had with the money he's getting. Two to four better role players and starters who could three and D. Yeah, exactly. Look, when people look at the Russell Westbrook trade, it's not just, hey, Russ is not living up to his expectations as a $47 million player. Like that's that's part of it, right? That's part of it. Remember, this is not all Russ's fault. It's not. This is, the Lakers decided to do, to do this trade knowing that it was going to sacrifice them. Uh, they were going to have to sacrifice depth. Really, what you should be using that instead of, look, the Lakers, in my mind, the role that they were filling with Russell Westbrook in terms of another ball handler to take some of the pressure off of LeBron, ideally, and Kyrie might be the, ex, the exception to this because he's such a good fit with his shooting ability, but ideally, you don't want the guy who's going to handle the ball to give LeBron a break to be a max player. You want it to be like a mid-level exception game manager type guy. That's what you want out of that. And then, and then spend your money on the wing position. Spend your money elsewhere. Don't spend all of your money on a guy who at best is going to be used on the ball when LeBron's out essentially a backup who just plays a lot more minutes, right? Whose ideal role, who, when, when you really need that player to shine, it's only like what, 15 minutes a game when LeBron's on the bench? That's when you really need that guy, 15 minutes a night? You're not spending max money on a guy who's going to be able to really make the biggest impact for only 15 minutes a night. You want somebody who is just a game manager in that role. But that $47 million, yeah, it should be spent on two to four role players. Guys like, um, I don't know, some good examples of role players. Um, I don't know, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, like a high-energy big, maybe like a Montrez Harrell type. 
I don't know. I, I don't know why those names came to me, but yeah, that's that's ideally what you want to spend that money on. Gosh, that hurts. In focus said, I really miss a true star wing that can shoot and defend. Nobody since Kobe. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Brandon Ingram is now, right? Uh, eventually turned into. So you kind of had that for a little bit. But yeah, they, they really haven't had, and I'm not saying Brandon Ingram equals Kobe because that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But in terms of having a wing player that can shoot, that can defend, can do all these things, um, like Danny Green could shoot a bit and could defend, but obviously was not as dynamic as Kobe or some of the wings that you're thinking of. It look, it's a wings league. You need wing players. Finding them is just not easy. LeBron obviously can be that, but I think you need another wing with him. You need that player. Finding that guy, though, is going to be difficult. Mike Conley, Damian Jones sucks. We don't have any real bigs. Like Damian, you guys know, I was on board with getting Damian Jones. Part of my process with that was it's a veteran minimum. And so if he winds up coming off the bench for 10 minutes a game or whatever, cool. He can give you 10 minutes a game and at least be serviceable. He's been, even for my standards, been a bit underwhelming. I'm hoping he'll be a bit better. On paper, having a athletic, younger, big, who can protect the paint a little bit and finish lobs, that's ideally what you want. Like pretty much everybody on the team right now. He just hasn't really panned out. Uh, Mark, Lakers just laid an egg tonight. Golden State lost by 25. Yeah, look, look, teams do that. Teams have off nights. It's concerning, though, when you're 0-4, right? The Warriors are the reigning champs. They've got Steph Curry. Look, they know where they're going to be by the end of the season. When you are winless, you're desperate to get a win. You're feeling things slip that much further. That's not the time to come out and be lackadaisical and not have energy and not go and attack the game. And that's what we saw out of the Lakers. It's, it's a very different situation. Teams do lose game. Teams, you can't have your foot pushed all the way down on the gas pedal, your finger on the turbo button for 82 games. You can't. You're going to have some nights where you just don't quite have it. Game four of the regular season, when you haven't won a game yet, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse at that point in the season. Yeston. At what time do we blow the entire team up? I, you go through this season first before you even look at doing anything like that. Maybe you revisit some stuff this summer. But yeah, you're not they're not blowing things up mid-season. You can't even look, even if they want to trade LeBron right now, you can't. You can't trade him until next summer. He's not eligible to be traded. So next summer at the earliest, if they decided to blow things up. And by then, you're going to have a lot more information. We'll, we'll know how this season went. We'll know whether or not they made a trade or anything like that there will be much more information in terms of making that drastic of a decision next summer. Adam said, thanks for saying everything I was yelling at the TV tonight. All right, well, glad it wasn't just, just us yelling that stuff then. Ham has to hold LeBron accountable and correct this offense. Uh, this offense. Stop casting threes. Not impressed with Ham's game management. Uh, LeBron admitted that he was not very good in this game. I thought LeBron was not great against the Denver Nuggets. The turnovers were... Horrific eight turnovers in the game for him. And I, I, we try to just call it like we see it on here. If I, even if it's LeBron, if he's not, if he doesn't play well, he didn't play well. And we'll talk about that. But uh, as far as holding him accountable, I can't say that he's not. Like We don't know that for sure. You would like to see the offense a bit more organized, but we also have to keep in mind that it's super early. There's all new faces and the players in Darvin Ham have told us they spent their time on defense. And their defense has objectively been pretty good, right? So far, four games in, it's been good. Um, the offense is not. But the offense is the part that's going to take a little longer to, to come along. And they're missing shots like crazy. If, again, I go back to this, but if they were just shooting their average percentages, we probably wouldn't be complaining about the offense nearly as much because they'd be knocking down those shots. So I think we have to keep that context in mind. Obviously, they're not. And, and the longer the shooting woes continue, the bigger of a concern it becomes. But I think we just have to keep that in mind that there's a there's another universe out there where the Lakers are shooting their average percentages from three, and these conversations are so different. Probably nobody's talking about tearing down the team. Nobody's talking about tanking. Nobody's talking about the pick the Pelicans are getting or any of that stuff because they're like they're two and two or maybe three and one right now. I can is it is time to activate Cole Swider. The time is now. I hate to tell you this, but he's hurt. He's out with a with a foot injury. 
I'm probably not going to see him for like a month. And even then he's on a two-way contract. Uh, Mark says, thoughts on Rogier Hayward for Russ and the picks? Like I, I get, you know, you get Gordon Hayward, maybe he can help you a bit on the wings. Rogier is used to playing off ball. It's taking on a lot of salary though. I'm trying to use, if I'm the language, I'm Rob Palenka. I'm trying to use the fact that you're absorbing a hundred million dollars worth of Rogier's contract. You're absorbing 30, like $60 million of Gordon Hayward off the top of my head in exchange for Russell Westbrook's 47 million. So in terms of your incoming, you're, you're basically absorbing 90 to $100 million in future salary compared to an outgoing $47 million in Russ. That's what, that's what you're taking on. That's a lot of salary to take on. And so if I'm the Lakers and I'm doing that, I'm trying to use that as my reason why I'm not giving up both first for those guys. Now, if I'm the Hornets, I'm doing everything I can to say, well, you're 0-4 right now. And your fans are getting angry and you guys need to win. And you've got a 37 going on 38 year old LeBron James and you're desperate. So we want both picks. And I think that's the spot the Lakers are in right now. I, I don't think Rogier and Hayward are terrible options. I don't know if they're the best, but they would, the team would be better than they are right now with them. I think you can say, you look at any of the trades, Indiana trade, San Antonio trade, Charlotte trade, even the, the Utah trade. Not the one with the first round pick, I don't think, but uh, but the one with uh, Bogdanovich, if he'd done something including Clarkson, something like that, right? Basically any any of those trades. And this team is not 0-4 right now. I think you can say that with some confidence, that they're not 0-4 with any of those trades done right now. At the very least, they're 1-3. Maybe 2-2, two and two, maybe 3-1. and one. They're definitely not 0-4, though, with those. I think they're better with those guys, with Rogier and Hayward. I think that helps, as long as Hayward can stay healthy. Oh, gosh. I mean, Hayward, Turner, another player where you're just saying, fingers crossed, if they can stay healthy. Because we don't do that enough right now. Reed said, think the Lakers missed the playoffs again after an 0-4 start. Season is looking like last year. You know, more than focusing on whether or not they make the playoffs. And obviously, an 0-4 start is not a good, it's not a positive indication that, hey, this is a playoff team. Right? That's that's pretty rare that you go 0-4 and then make the playoffs. But the more important part to me is the second piece to this. Season is looking like last year. You know, in preseason, Alan Sliwa and I even talked about how Lakers basketball was suddenly fun again because the players were selling out on every play. They were hustling defensively. They were making life hell on other teams trying to score on them. And then against Denver, that kind of went away. And I think the miss, the accumulation of the missed shots took its toll on their energy level, on their effort level. And it did. The Denver game felt like last season, where it just felt like they were fighting an uphill battle the entire time. They got close a few times, but ultimately, when they really needed to, they weren't good enough to stay on the floor with the other team. And that's that's frustrating. It's hard to watch. And I hope that's not the path that we wind up going down this season, because last season was terrible. And I don't want to go through another season like that. I'm hoping Lakers fans don't have to go through that kind of season again. May says, if Trev ran for president, who's your VP? Matt or Sean? Do I have to pick one of them? Well, first of all, I wouldn't run for president. I told all my my classes when I was a history teacher. Uh, they would say, well, you know a lot about government and all that. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to be president. That's, that is a very different job um, than what I would be comfortable with. But if I had to pick someone, Matt or Sean, I don't know. I don't, you know what? I wouldn't pick either of them. Don't tell them. I would pick Chris Masters and then I would use him to intimidate my rivals. That's how, that's the kind of president I would be. I would send Chris the Masterpiece Masters to go and put my opponents in the master lock. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Downing on me, that's, that's more of a dictator than a... A president. See, this is why I shouldn't be president, though. 
Kegels Bagels said, I wish we could pull an 18 Cavs and trade everyone. Well, that would be tough. A lot of the guys that they just signed to these one-year deals are not trade eligible until after the 15th. So you can't do any of that right now. But I understand the sentiment why already Lakers fans are like, please do something, change this, fix this, make this happen. Understand it. Understand the frustration. I understand the lack of patience. I don't think that, look, people look at, at what's going on right now. And we'll say, man, these Lakers fans, there's, you know, they're not patient enough. They, they can't handle this and everything. Look, based on what fans went through last season, there's good reason why people are on edge. There's good reason why nerves are already frayed. It's only October and seeing fans is frustrated is not normal, but it's not unwarranted either because of what happened last season, because of what went on over the summer, because of the all the questions about the decision-making around the team. And there's one solution. There is one solution to this, and only one. Win. Whatever that looks like, whatever path you take, the only thing that's going to make fans happy is ultimately winning. Maybe that means winning in two or three years. Look, at one point, when Joe Lacob took over the Warriors, they were getting booed. And they said, we have a plan. Obviously, that plan paid off. They're not getting booed anymore. So even if ownership, front office, they're getting booed right now and they put together a plan that wins in two, three years, we'll look back and we say, you know what? They were right. They were right. If they do something that helps them win right now, fans will be happy. That's it. That's the only solution to the current problem is putting yourself on a path to win. Winning cures all. That's what fans want to see. They want to see the team win. We'll see if they can get there. And I think NBA fans, for as much as we hear this whole, you know, oh, well, this, this fan base will never accept tanking. That's antiquated. That's a thing of 10 years ago or more. NBA fans are, are smart. They're savvy. They understand what's happening with the salary cap. They understand about tanking. They understand about roster building, how all of that works. And if that's the path that you elect to take, as long as there is a plan and people can see where that plan's going and you're making smart moves, fans will be on board with that. Fans will be on board. Fans will be okay with that. Look at the Magic fans right now. Team's terrible. And fans are more excited now than, than ever because look at how bright their future is. Look how good Paulo Bancaro looks. They're going to have a shot at Victor Wembanyama. They've got, they've got some stuff brewing there, right? Fans will get on board with, with that, but it's got to be a clear plan where you can see where things are going. That's what Lakers fans want. They want winning or they want an obvious path to that. Only solution. It's the only way you solve the issue right now and fix the belief in this team and the belief in this front office. Right now, there isn't a lot of that. Approval rating is down for the Lakers front office. Only way that it comes up is by fixing this mess and winning games. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. They've got a lot to figure out. And we'll see what they do. Lakers Nation, though, I want to thank all of you for, for sticking around here, joining me on this show. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to go follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Go check out my Substack, TrevorLane.substack.com. We do have Lakers versus Wolves this evening. We'll see if the Lakers can finally get their first win. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.